0: is the anthem of the adventurer the show for men who are tired of forsaking their dreams who are willing to risk to dare greatly and know in their soul that their desire for adventure is good it's time to venture into the wild places in our hearts here's your host dan saner
1: So I'm recording this intro after I just got off of an amazing Zoom call with Robert Owens, who, let me just read you his bio just a little bit. You're going to get some more of this before his interview, but I just want to give you a little taste because this guy is a bit different (laughs) than even most of the crazy adventure people that we have on this show. So about Robert, he has done quite a bit. The mountain climber, been a radio and TV personality, keynote speaker, pastor for 25 years. He's done multiple Ironmans, multiple triathlons. He was a Air Force pararescueman, father of five, Put it in perspective, Robert is the kind of guy who got bored and began smuggling literature into the old Soviet Union with Brother Andrew. Just to put it in perspective a little bit. (laughs) This is probably one of the handful of conversations I'm going to listen to over and over and over and over again, and I hope you do as well. So grab a notebook and a pencil. If you're driving, just enjoy and listen to it again when you can write down because this is going to change your life forever. And especially if you have a heart for the men around you, the men maybe in your workplace, maybe in your church, maybe in your family, in your neighborhood, every man I know needs to listen to what is about to unfold on this podcast. And from nothing that I'm doing here, this is uh, you know, not, not a me show. Robert's got something special and you want some of it. Believe me. What I'm going to do actually is going to kind of blow some minds with some guys in my church. And we're going to listen to this together. And I would encourage you to grab some buddies, maybe grab a cigar or your favorite beverage, sit down and listen to or watch this wherever you are With a couple of guys and don't leave until everyone gives you at least three things that they took away from it. That is my challenge to you today. So saddle up (laughs) and strap in for our interview with Robert Owens. Welcome to another episode of the Anthem of the Adventurer and uh, this one is going to be more special than most. I love all my guests. They're all great. Some of them are still really good friends. This guy is a bit different. (laughs) He is super busy, really hard to get a hold of. I appreciate the introduction, Troy Mangum. Thank you so much. Normally he charges thousands of dollars for people to hear him speak. He's all over the world speaking to different audiences from churches to coliseums about his experience and his experience is a bit unique. He is the fittest and mentally toughest 66-year-old in the world, and this isn't a self-defined grandiose thing from himself. The founder of Spartan Games as well as Triathlete Magazine said this because he did the Ironman 140.6 miles at the age of 65. Then he embarked on the 238-mile journey of the 300 Spartans from uh, Thermopylae to Sparta. And then, a mere four days before his 66th birthday, he took on Seal Fitz Kokoro Challenge, which is 50 hours of Navy SEAL training. He was the oldest in the group of 20 by 25 years to finish that. Became the oldest ever to complete it. And to top it all off, he did seven marathons in seven continents in seven days. And I'm sure I'm leaving out a few things. <laughs> <laughs> but this guy is the real deal. He is a real genuine guy who has done some really incredible things physically and mentally. Most importantly, he is a super tough dude. Robert Owens, it is an absolute honor to get to talk to you today, man. Welcome. Hey, Dan. Good to be with you.
0: and Glad to be with all your
1: folks. To not even sell you short, we forgot you were a Air Force Pararescuemen. So thank you for your service. And that in and itself of itself is usually enough to be
0: an impressive bio.
2: <laughs>
0: well, you know, when you're you're young in your 20s, you do stupid things and um, <laughs> going yeah, special ops. Many said going special ops was one of those for me. Then, then I worked it worked out, but yeah, it was fun.
1: Yeah. So I think that's a good place to start off into. Uh, This adventurous life of of risky things. How in the world do you get to become a a pararescueman and then everything else after that?
0: You know, um, I was fortunate. Uh, How could I go about this? I I was a lifeguard at San Clemente, California, and we had pararescue reservists who were also lifeguards. And what would happen in those days is the Navy SEALs would come by and say, Hey, we're looking for water guys. Every summer they'd come by the lifeguard departments and say, we're looking for water guys. And then the pararescue guys would come by and say, what well, the Navy SEAL guys say, Hey, don't do that. Come with us. And so <laughs> as it turned out, four of my friends became Navy SEALs and uh, four of us became PJs, pararescue guys. And it was, it was sort of a culture. If, if you liked rescue which i did at the beach that if you want to go to the big leagues you wanted to go para rescue and become a paramedic and a combat paramedic and therefore parachute scuba dive mountain climb and skydive into your patients with an uzi and your drugs and your knives and your needles and today if you were, if you want to know what a para rescue cuz we're the smallest of the Special Ops communities, Army Rangers, Green Beret, Navy SEALs. uh, uh, Marines will be Raider and Recon. And then for us, it's PJs. If you want to know who we are, you ask one of those groups because we save their lives. When they get when their corpsman can't cut it, they call for the Air Force to come in. And so when I was in, there was 200 of us and there was 3000 Navy SEALs and we didn't have any officers. So. We told the pilots what to do. We told the officers what to do because it was their job to get us where we needed to go anyway. Um,
1: and when, when were you in, what time period was that? In the seventies. So, you know, not a boring time period uh, as we know our history It was pretty, uh, pretty active.
0: Pretty, pretty wild time. I did not go to Vietnam. My class was scheduled to go to Vietnam and then they put us on hold and then Kissinger signed the peace accords in Paris. And all of a sudden they said, you're not going to, to Nam." And we said, what are we doing then? And they said, we don't know. And we stayed a long time in training until they finally figured out, uh, go in the pipeline, go to jump school, medical school, scuba school, sort of, you know, prisoner of war school, blah, blah, blah. And then you do that. And then um, we were fortunate. We had a class of 150 and uh, we graduated seven. Of the 150, plus other rollbacks, injured guys from other classes, about 16 guys total. And then uh, they made me team leader, give all things, as you can imagine. Hmm. And then they gave us a bunch of assignments. They threw them on a table and said, Robert, you're a team leader. You get to choose where you want to go. And uh, there were bases around the world. And I chose Alaska. Hmm. I chose Alaska because I was a snow skier and um, I lived in Mammoth Mountain. Ski resort. I was a ski patrol guy. I said, "Well, let's go do some Arctic stuff. Let's go skiing." And they were, I asked where the most most work was being done at that time, and they said around the world, the most active rescues going on at that time was Alaska. So I chose it. But probably ought to tell you that. And the listener out there, I don't usually talk about this stuff because I don't usually talk about Christian things on my podcasts. I'm not asked about them. But Dan asked me as we got going. You know, hey. You can tell them, you know, that you're a Christian and stuff. What happened was I dodged the draft. I dodged the draft um, right out of high school. And when I did so, I went out and got drunk. Um, There was four of us who went in from my area and we all walked down the um, Hollywood Boulevard and and we, we all did the yellow line thing. Went and got tested. Two of us got out that day. I took my, I had a water polo injury on my arm. And so I slammed it uh, nonstop for about three months into a concrete wall. And I mm. just kept banging it in so it would be swollen and bruised and out, out of shape. And when I went in, they said, You know, did you bring your toothbrush? I said, Yeah, I got it. And so they said, Are you good? And I said, No, I'm not. My arm doesn't work. And they, said, they said, Right. And I said, No, really, it doesn't work. And so they took me over and took an x ray and they go, Your arm doesn't work. And I go, <laughs> arm doesn't work and they go okay and back then physically disabled you'd be you'd get a 4f but one higher than that or lower in your looking at things is a 1y and a 1y is now we'll only take you during uh national emergency Mm. so we'll take all the cripples and the the other guys will run out of men we'll come back and find you anyway uh, so i got my 1y and when we got out two of us got out that day. And we went home and got drunk and the other two went in and were dead within a year. Wow. So not a fun time. Um, yeah. As we coming home in boxes, brothers and men down the street, kids down the street, starting 18 years old, were coming home all the time. And I just, I said, Hey, I don't, I don't know that I can do this war thing. It's, it was the late end of the war and things were going sideways anyway. And I wasn't a believer when I got saved which is uh, when I was 20, which means that I've been now, you know, walking with the Lord for 50 years. Um, When I got saved, I went to a Bible study, and the Bible study was about getting your act together. It was Zacchaeus and Luke 19 about, now I can tell that the kingdom of God has come unto you. Well, why? Because of the stuff that he did. And what he did was, you know, if I've stolen from anybody, blah blah, and I'll give my possessions to the poor, And Jesus says to him, oh, I can see that the kingdom has come unto you. Why? Because of his actions, Mm -hmm. because of his response to truth, to to becoming upright instead of being a tax collector who was a liar and cheat stealer that everybody hated. And so when we had that Bible study, the guy said, hey, anybody got stuff in their life they need to make right? And I went, oh, my God. (laughs) I went down that road. I'll How die. long you got. <laughs> And he said, "You know, everything's under the blood. You know, you're forgiven. Uh, vertically, in the Lord, you're. But you're probably not horizontally in good stead with a lot of people that you stole from, or lied to, or this or that. And you may want to go back and ask for forgiveness and repent." And I thought that alone is going to kill me. And it took me about three months to go to everybody that I needed to go ask forgiveness from and say I'm sorry. And then the big one was, "What do you gonna do about Nam?" And I went and I went to my pastor, uh, who was a jock, who was a major baseball player, and he <sighs> didn't pastor us. He coached us, and we got messed up, he benched us. He was, he was in our face as young men, and he said, "That's of the devil, you know you're not going in." And I go, "I can't sleep." I mean, in Proverbs it talks about the guy rolling out of his bed, back and forth, back and forth. He sluggard. And I just couldn't sleep. And I said, hey, Pastor, I, I don't know what to do, but my conscience is bugging me and I can't sleep. I need to make this right. Anyway, so I went in the military to make this thing, as a, as a Christian, to make this thing right. And as it turned out, I was the only Christian guy in my team. And they were all hellraisers like I had used to be. And all of a sudden, I had a new life being this clean, not drinking, not smoking, not carousing, not doing anything guy in the military as under the Lord. And I grew up real quick. And it has always been a sad point to me to think that the Lord needed to put me in Pharaoh's army to grow me up Mm -hmm. because the church couldn't. The church couldn't deal with a young guy like me because they were soft on him. They were coddling. They were, it's okay, it'll get better, or, you know, just stop doing most of that, or try to stop doing it. And when you got in the military, you either got your ass kicked and did what was right, or you're gone. Yeah. And so I always appreciated the military taking this young Christian, spoiled kid who had been getting a master's degree in irresponsibility, and all of a sudden, you know, you're in the teams now, and get it together. And so that was my that was my beginning in my wow. in the in the first first seven months of my Christian walk, I was often gone special ops. So that's a that's a story. And the other the other question is, people say, "Well, how'd you do? It? How'd you get in?" And you can cut me off anytime. But what happened was, is that I I was a partier, mm-hmm. and I I was in jail and drunk and disorderly, blah blah blah, and I'd crashed cars and. I didn't I had to see the bottle or the, the bottom of every bottle I ever opened, you know, and I wasn't good at it. And so when I got when I, I I got messed up, I got burned in a fire. We did a lifeguard fire and the lifeguard fire we had brought a bunch of chicks, you know, brought our beers to the beach, it was a big open pit bonfire, and uh we got skinny dipping. And uh I wasn't a Christian at the time and Um we start jumping the bonfire. And there was so much black smoke going up in the middle of the bonfire that when I jumped across the fire to show off, I couldn't tell there was another guy on the other side jumping at the same time. Oh
2: man.
0: And we landed in the middle. Ow. And and awkwardly, I landed on the bottom and he landed on top of me. And I just my I was face down on the coals. Oh all these all these burnt pieces of wood and I got burned all the way down on my arms. And the way I had got out of the fire was to stick my arm in, to push and rotate out. Oh, so this, And I was rowing crew at the time for orange coast college, those big long boats, eight men. Yeah. I was rowing crew. And obviously I didn't have a hand anymore. It was all burnt. And I went to the hospital and people came up to me and said, Hey, you know, if you don't get your act together, you're dead. Right. And I went, but it was a fun party. And I said, yeah, you're stupid. You know, what is fun to you is stupid. And you need to get your act together, but we know what you're going to do. And that's when I, I said, hey, Jesus, I know all about you. I was raised in church. I don't like you. I don't like church. I don't like pastors. I don't like congregations. I think it's full of losers. They're backstabbers. They talk about each other. They gossip. I don't trust the pastor. I don't trust the elders. I know stuff about them that they shouldn't be doing and they're doing it. They say, praise the Lord on Sundays. And I went to church with my mom and dad, you know, uh, all my life. So I, when I started lifeguarding, it was to get away from church partly anyway. So I knew all about Jesus. And I said, Hey, you know, I know you're there. And um, I don't know what you'd do with a guy like me, but I don't want to go to church. Mm. And I don't want to be religious. And I don't want to say praise the Lord. And I don't want to have to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, sing, put money in a bucket, walk out after an hour and do that like I've done with all my aunts and uncles and all these people. But I know I'm screwed up. So if you could come in and do something with me. Um, I, you know, I'm open. And that was my prayer. Wow. And I just said, I don't know what you're going to do. Just, you know, please don't make me like these people that I've been around all my life. Don't make me go to church the rest of my life. And something happened. Be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Something happened and I got saved. And quickly, these guys said, Owens, you need to come rescue and get your act together. And I said, what do I do? And they said, you do what we say. I said, I don't think I'm special ops material. I mean I've never been good at anything. I mean I've you've know, always been a third place swimmer. I've always been a second team water polo guy. I've always been a a good athlete but not a skill guy. And um these guys said what you need to do is do what we say. You need to you need to just go dark now for 6 months. No chicks, no drinking, no weed, no No, anything. You need to just stop and focus. Have you ever focused on anything? Yeah, I have. Do you do good? Yeah. When I focus, I'm good. I don't focus very often. I'm all over the place. And they said for six months, just do what we said. And so I did exactly that. Uh, People call me coming out Friday night. No. Where you been? You know, did you go religious on us? Uh, And all I did was train. I ran up and down that beach. And I did my pull-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, and I did my stairs, I did my bear crawls, I did my crabs in the sand, I did my ocean stuff. And I just went, I got my calluses all over my hands, and I just OD'd on focus on training. And sure enough, that when I went in, um, that's what happened. I listened to the mentors, which thank God for mentors, if they're yeah. the right. And when I got in, Sure enough, you know, out of 150, there were seven of us that made me team leader. And I. And the seven of us looked at each other and said, what are we doing here? What happened to the really good guys? I mean, all the, the good guys, those the physical specimens, the guys that came up with all these athletic pedigrees, pro football and blah, blah, blah. Where are they? And they'd all quit. And they'd all quit because they mentally had not prepared for the grind. Yeah. And the, and the Christian walk is a grind. Mm. It's a grind. It's not, you know, I've, there's some guys are hot for 10 years. And then, you know, you never hear them again. There's some guys that are good for 20 years, then you never hear them again. There, there's some preachers that are great on TV. And then, you know, you look at them 15 years after they've been off TV and they're nowhere to be found. And so the end game is, can you stay in the game every day? alive and vibrant and doing the adventure of walking with him and no matter what he tells you to do and that's Mm. how i am in pararescue that's how i do the stuff that i've done and I've, i've learned some things and um i'll let you ask questions
2: I was going
1: to say, normally, I, you know at this point, I would be asking for a direct challenge of like, hey, what's something we can do? But I think you said it right there of like, hey, get your butt together and really take this seriously of the, the adventure of the, the Christian walk. If you're a Christian or if this is sounding pretty intriguing to you and a little bit different than Sunday school, uh, if, you're, if you're not yet, like, man, it's, it's life or death stuff. you got to focus and take it seriously.
0: You know, you're either, there's two things. You're either a, a Christian who's got a savior relationship. You know, he saved me. It's nice. Going to heaven, bada bing, I got my ticket. And people act like, you know, I got my ticket. I'm I'm cool. Or there's those who get saved in lordship. Is he your savior or your Lord? And there's a reason why the New Testament is filled with Jesus as the Lord way more than he's the savior. Both yeah. are true. But savior is what he did lord is who he wants to be in your life every day and most people do the vertical thing go to church and be nice and stuff but they don't do the obedience to the to the word and follow him where he says jump and you jump if he says stop it you stop it, and so Lordship is the separator between, as you would say, men and boys. It's the separator between the obedient, the disobedient. It's the the separator between um, immature men who go to church and mature men who go to church who are the leaders. They're the Mm -hmm. leaders because they've learned to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And no matter how uncomfortable it is, not my will but thy will be done. That's what he said on the cross. You know, I'd like this thing to leave. I don't want to do it. But if I got to, you know, the point is not my will, Lord, but Yours be done, if you want me to dead, dead on the cross, I guess that's what I'm going to do. Put me on it. Yeah. And most guys dodge the bullet of the hard things. And so the adventure of life is to the obedience of what do you want me to do? Yeah. People say to me all the time, You know, you're the fittest, mentally toughest 66 year old in the world, blah, 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 which isn't true, but it's good for magazines and (laughs) newspapers.
2: It's good PR.
0: (laughs) And, And they say to me, What's the hardest thing you've ever done? And I say, The hardest thing I've ever done is walk with Jesus every day, making him Lord of my life, repenting, going over and asking for forgiveness, not doing that, not doing this. Lordship is dealing with the heart. And the heart is, if it, you know it's one thing to not do adultery it's another thing to look at it with your eyes it's it's one thing to to look at something it's another thing with your heart to covet it the heart issues are always more difficult than the physical external issues yeah cuz he's examining the heart i don't care what you did what's in your heart because what comes out of your heart that's what you end up doing mhm and, and most men, and I'm going to say this very kindly, but I pastored for 25 years one church and grew up from two people to 3,000 in a town of 10 high schools. The, the, the hard thing is, Jesus says, I want you to do this. Why won't you do it? And you go, because I don't want to. I don't like it. It's no fun. It's going to cost me this. Mm -hmm. And the adventure is, what are you going to do if you learn to obey him and develop a conscience that says, don't go there, you know better.
1: And it doesn't necessarily mean, hey, go be a PJ. It could mean stay in your beige cubicle because your family needs you there. They need the insurance.
0: It could be anything in your life, the way you're wired, the way you're gifted, with your talents and personal and your family. It has nothing to do with pararescue. It has nothing to do with military. It's like it's it's the inner person that says, Jesus, what do you want me to do? You talk about adventure. Okay, so I get a degree in theology, and I go plant a church. I plant a church at the University of Nevada with the athletes. So I become the chaplain of baseball, basketball, football for the UNR, University of Nevada, Colin Kaepernick came from the pistol offense. I did that for 20 years, still on the sidelines, and lost at UCLA, and lost at SC, and lost at Oregon. You know, Man. Remember, we we did sound
1: like of- an Illinois fan. We lost to these guys. We lost to these guys, but we had a good time.
0: <laughs> well, when I planted that church, I said, Lord, I'm broke. I said, get a job. So I got a job selling cars. And then the Lord said, tithe. And I said, I don't know, I to tithe. With what? <laughs> Yeah, what well, I'm broke. And he said, That's right, you're broke. So tithe. How are you going to build a church? How are you going to grow a church if you don't tithe? Because you can't preach it. You can't talk about it because you can't do it. And I said to my wife, we don't have any money. We got to tithe. And so she said, Okay, let's go. So we tithe our food money and we tithe our heat, buying oil in the wintertime for the furnace. Thing and we lived in our kitchen with the oven on, uh, with the door open, because that was the only room in the house that had heat. And we said, Lord, you're either going to show up and your word is good and your word is true, or you're not going to show up and we're going to live here in this kitchen. And sure enough, one thing or another, the Lord began to show up. And then the Lord said, You know, like, give away your car. To that single mom. And I went, Lord, I need a car. And the Lord said, Yeah, but I want you to give it away. And I went, Well, what am I going to do? He said, It's none of your worry. Just, you know, give it away. You want to venture? You want to you live on the edge? Give your car away. And so I went to the church. And on Sunday morning, I said, Hey, I'm giving away my car. And I'm giving it to a guy, I mean, to a lady, a single mom, because I just, she needs it more than I do. I think the Lord tells me to give it, so I'm going to do it. And a guy stood up in the back, said, "What are you going to do?" And I go, "Beats me. I don't know." And another guy stands up, says, "I'll give you my bicycle." And I said, "You're on." And so I started riding my bicycle everywhere in town in the wintertime. Sometimes with yellow galoshes on because I was riding in the snow. And I rode my bicycle all over town, doing hospital calls, and this and that. And people would say, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I gave my car away." Well, why? Well, because somebody needed it. You know what? Get over it. And then this doctor came to me and said, "Hey, Robert, you are an embarrassment. I can't go to a church where the pastor doesn't have a car." And I said, "Sorry." And he said, "Here's the keys to my BMW. Drive this BMW 735 Coupe, would you please? Because then you're respectable again." And then. I started, driving, I'm driving this BMW around town. All the other pastors in town said, Where'd you get that car? I said, The Lord gave it to me. They went, Yeah, right. I said, Whatever. And so people began to get jealous because I was driving that, that car. And anyway, the, the point of that is that I had to learn obedience. And that was the adventure. The adventure was, Oh my God, what happens if he doesn't show up?
2: Yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah.
0: I'm messed up and so to the listener out there i've been an adventure guy i guess all my life but the hardest adventure is not jumping out of planes and running these marathons and stuff the hardest thing is inside saying lord what do you want me to do today or lord what do you want me to stop doing today Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna i'm gonna close and let you make a comment after i say this oh yeah i'm gonna say this kindly most christian men are weak they're emotional they're undisciplined and they lack character they lack character i said to a bunch of pastors at a pastor's conference why should any man follow you man comes to your church he sees you up there why should a guy follow you like i like that guy i respect that guy that guy's got a b c or d why should any man look to you and want to be like you? I said to these guys, I said, stand up and tell me, one of you, why some man ought to follow you. Guy stood up and said, because I pray a lot. I said, so what?
2: So do prisoners.
0: Yes. I mean, what, what does that do to the unsaved world out there? You pray a lot? Who gives a rip? Can, give me something manhood. Give me something <laughs> And I said this sanctifyingly and he said, show, show some balls. what what do you do that makes a guy go that guy's, that guy's hot, that guy's in the game." <laughs> I'll just say, so this pastor I'm with this the other I don't know not too long ago, and he's a young guy and he was raised by a pastor so he's always been in the church. and I said, "How do you reach men?" he says, well I don't have any men at my church, hardly't we?" And I said, "Why?" He said, I don't know I can draw, draw women well, he's a worship leader. And I said, "You're never going to get any men." because you're not manly. And he said, what do I do? I said, I don't know. Did you dream ever about doing anything physical or anything sports or something? And he goes, I've always wanted to learn how to defend myself. I said, so what do you want to do? He says, I think I'm going to go take, he's doing jujitsu. I said, so what? people will freak out. You of all people going to take jujitsu. So I'm speaking at his church I think about three months ago and I said, pastor, what are you doing? He says, I'm jujitsuing." I said, how's that? He goes, I'm choking guys out. And I go, <laughs> he goes, I am. I'm choking guys out and I'm getting my belts. And I said, you tell the church he goes, no. I said, you need to get the pulpit and say this week I had a real win. I choked this guy out and he's bigger than me, blah, blah, blah. And they'll freak so <laughs> So he went, he went, he got a moment. I said, before I speak, the pastor's going to tell you something. Tell him. And he got, said, you guys don't know me like this, but I really like fighting and choking this guy out. And I'm good at it. <laughs> and all of a sudden, these guys, all of a sudden, these guys go, hey, hmm. these are game. Hey, I don't spend any time with him. I should get to know him. Well, the point is, is that masculine men need to act like masculine men, not effeminate men.
2: Yeah. Masculine
0: men need to do the hard thing. They need to lead, they need to role model. They need to they need to have a, a mouth that's full of character versus just crap. And most Christian guys are churched, if they go to church, and they're they're coddled. Oh, we just love you. Just come, just sit, sit in the chair. We're ha- happy to have your butt in our chair, you know. Yeah. The reason my church grew, I said, I don't want you guys here. If you don't want to change, get out. There's a there's a pastor down the street that would love to have you and your non-tithing, whining attitude. If you're coming in here, you're gonna be a leader, not a follower, because our city is desperately needing males to act like leaders. I'm gonna send this
1: interview to our church leadership team, by the way. Our annual meetings this Sunday.
0: <laughs> well, anyway, if you don't want to be a leader, then go someplace else. Because this isn't for everybody. If you want to yeah. get your act. Let's go. And so we grew this church. It was known for men. And I, I, that's all to say that the listener out there, we all have choices. And I chose adventure. But the biggest adventure is trying to do his will. Yeah, The biggest adventure is trying to read the word and say, Lord, what? He says, now do that. You go, oh, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I, don't. I didn't like going to cross, but I did anyway. So get over it. Do what I need you to do to be who I need you to be. Forget heaven forget heaven it's not important when you die you'll get there now that you're here for 60 70 more years what are you gonna do because you're supposed to glorify me
2: that's it Whew. I mean if that wasn't a mic drop I don't know what is
1: um and I, I was only half joking about something to our leadership team because they are they are the kind of people who would hear it and we've had some really great conversations around just that thing about how Our men's ministry needs to change because we're tired of the pancake breakfasts and the let's talk about Ecclesiastes at six in the morning at the local diner baloney. Like, we're going to do manly things. We got to go help the single mom change her oil. We got to go do the landscaping of the guy who lost his legs in the war. We got to go, you know, remodel this person's house just because they like a new floor. We got to run a new electrical line out to my shop so I can build more stuff. Like we got to do things for each other as men bring our strengths as men bring our pocket knives, bring our wrenches, bring our boxing gloves, our mountain
2: bikes, our Land Rovers and be men of Christ. So I love that. And yeah,
0: And to those of you that are listening that are not Christian, I'm not trying to get you to be a Christian. I don't care what you do. Whatever you do, be excellent at it. But if it, if what you're doing isn't working for you, then you may want to check him out. Not the religious Jesus, just the normal Jesus.
2: Yeah. If Other than
1: read the New Testament back to front, which would be a great thing to do, what what would you invite people into if they're like, oh, this Jesus guy seems kind of interesting. Um anything that you'd point folks to if they're either dipping their toe
2: in the water or maybe re-entering the pool? Um, I would, again, just say, get alone
0: at lunchtime in your car or get up earlier, half an hour earlier and have a quiet time. And I would read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Mm -hmm. And I just say, what is in this that people find so, Alive and so life changing. And I would just, the life is in the Word. And when you read the Word, there will be a page, there'll be a story that will come alive to you and it will speak to you and it will encourage you and it will challenge you. And um, I would encourage anyone going to church doesn't make you a Christian, like living in a garage doesn't make you a car you can go there to your blue in the face and still be a loser. A religious loser going backwards, making excuses, always living an average mediocre life. You can do that in church or outside of church. What will happen is once you begin to read the word, like if you're there, this is real. Then I want you to speak to me and I'm going to change. I'm, I'm, I'm open to change.
2: Mm,
0: yeah. And most people are not open to change. They like the rut that they're in and they'd rather have an old enemy than a new friend because people would rather have the lay of the land that they know than the lay of the land that they don't know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There's no one wants to be a freshman. Everybody wants to be a senior and we dread new things. So we don't do anything new. We end up being a, a complaining senior versus an excited freshman who's insecure because we all resist change and we don't want to be insecure we don't want to be vulnerable and yet all of life is outside of where we are today and everything everything that we want in life is outside of our comfortability everything we want is past This comfortable thing, I'm comfortable.
2: So if you want to lose
0: weight, you got to be uncomfortable. If you want to get in shape, you got to be uncomfortable. If you want to go into a new group of people, you got to be uncomfortable. If you want to stop drinking and you hang out with drinkers, you got to be uncomfortable. And most men won't suck it up and deal with that thing. And they'll stay in their rut with their excuses versus growing into new things. That's why so many people are following David Goggins. Yeah because Hogan says do the hard thing every day every day embrace the suck of wrestling with yourself and that's why he's got a million followers because all of them have chosen to say this is the suck in my situation or in my life or in my marriage or in my blah 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 and this is how I'm now taking on myself yeah and Ro- and Romans 5, 6, and 7 is about that old guy, and Romans 8 is about that new guy. And everybody wants to be an overcomer, but no one wants the battle. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to be a winner, but no one wants to do the hard work of learning what it's like to becoming a winner as a father, or as a, as a role model, or as a breadwinner, or as a Whatever it is, it's just easier to complain and stay with the complainers. Yeah. You know, because, so when yeah. it says, it, when it says in the book of Revelation to the overcomer, to the overcomer, to the overcomer, to the overcomer, well, what did they overcome? Well, they had to overcome something really Nothing. huge yeah. come to be an overcomer. And I did not want to be religious and I didn't want to go to church. So if, if I got stuck with the stupid thing and having to go do one, then Let's roll the dice and let's go for broke because I'd rather be with a bunch of drunkard, normal guys than a bunch of lying Christian guys and we And so the adventure is embracing the suck in your
2: life and saying, I suck. I'm embarrassed. I'm whatever I am. And I'm sick
0: and tired of being sick and tired. And I'm going to do something and I'm going to ask for accountability. The people you'd say, I'm going to try this. I'm going to believe this. Will you, will you hold me accountable to losing five pounds or to get retrained for a new job or don't quit somewhere halfway in the in the commitment like New Year's resolutions? Don't, yeah. don't just quit and then embrace change. And growth equals change, but change doesn't equal growth. Said again, growth equals. You can't grow unless you change something, but mm-hmm. you can change a bunch of stuff, but never grow. That and so good. the the goal is, is that every one of us should choose to want to grow in some area or many areas, and it should be costly. And I have found that if I embrace the costly things, I'll find life. I'll find excitement, adventure. I'll I'll find rarefied air with rarefied guys, like Colin O'Brady is the guy that trekked across Antarctica by himself. Oh yeah, and Colin gets on the phone and goes Owens, and and I go Colin, and he he just said he puts his post out, you know, hey Robert Owens, and I I try to hang out with people.
1: That's the kind of guy I want to be hanging out with.
0: I want to hang out with guys that are not stuck but they want to grow and change and take the challenge. And I believe that many guys watching this or hearing this today, they're the same way, but they don't know where to start. And it's going to be hard, but Mm -hmm. you can do it, but you got to embrace the hard things. Anyway.
2: Oh, man, we
1: could talk for hours. We may need to have you back if you, if you're up for it, because I think there's a lot more that we could, we could circle around. But I know, as we said earlier, you're a busy guy and you've got a lot of people who are wanting to talk to you as well. And I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. You're hitting so many areas in past, current and future me. And I'm sure everybody listening that are areas for uh, introspection and some challenge. And I just really appreciate that. Um, we, we prayed beforehand that. You know the spirit would move where it needs to and uncover some things and expose some things, and I'm definitely feeling that. So thank you.
0: Let me uh, let me pray for the guys that are listening.
2: Yeah, please do.
0: And I want you guys to open your eyes and look at me. I don't want you to close your eyes. It doesn't get more holy if you close them. <laughs> I want to pray for you because I believe in you. I was pretty hard on you guys, and I know it. I'm a grandfather though. And I'm a father of five. And I put my son in jail. I, I, You know, I was in jail. I'm not some some sweet guy that's just always been nice or whatever. Life is tough. And it's tough in the 20s. And it's tough in the 30s. It's tough in the 40s. And it changes in the 50s. And it changes in the 60s. And it's a long haul. I'm doing 50 years now. I got saved at 20. I'm turning 70 in a couple months. And I've been through the good times, the bad times. And um, I know that many of you guys want to change. You want to be the hero to your kids, not just a father, but a hero. Your wife still is believing for a hero. And I know how tough that is. And I know finances are hard. And I know jobs are boring. And I know people are, you know, people and I know life. But I'm going to pray that something happens inside you that gives
2: you hope and courage and new vision so that you can choose to change and grow
0: and come into life that's exciting and life that's, that's, that's going to be f- fulfilling, but it's, but it's going to demand a struggle. And life is in the struggle. Life is in the journey. And you've got to embrace hard things and grow your character, which gives you confidence, which develops a warrior inside of you. So I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. I thank you for these men and ladies that are watching, Christian, non-Christian, whoever they are. I just pray that you would encourage them today. That you would call them by name and say to them, I love you
2: for you i don't make mistakes i fix all things and i have a plan for your life and i'm and the father would say i'm sad that you're not in that plan and you're just existing The lord would say i i created you for a purpose and i created you
0: for life and that more abundantly not just surviving and paying bills and taxes, raising kids. And so today, Lord, I pray that you would strengthen and encourage and call these men and women today to a higher place and a higher life and a more fun life.
2: Risky, but a fun life. No one wants to go to practice, but everybody wants to play the game. But you got, we have to, Lord, go to
0: practice and like the long 2 days Because we know Friday night's coming. And so, Lord, let these guys see themselves as capable and able, and may they be flexible and may they have character to now choose. I'm going to embrace the suck, and I may not tell anybody about it except for one person.
2: And they're going to embrace the thing that they don't want to do, and they're going to Go get a win.
0: And they're going to get a win whether it comes in a week or a month or a year. But they're going to get a win. And it's going to get better for them. Because you love them and you have a plan for their lives, Lord.
2: I pray for blessing and encouragement and strength. Hmm. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Just let me tell you guys, I went to college five times. How many of you went to college five times? <sighs> once was enough, thanks. <laughs> well, I went because I was screwed up. But once I found out I wasn't a loser, once I found out that I was smart, not dumb. Once I found out that Jesus had given me a good brain and I was just lazy, I went back to college a fifth time and bought a B and got A's. But I had to have a Y. And I had to know inside that I was different. And every one of us has those kind of stories in us of going through stuff and stuff and stuff. And then finally, you get breakthrough. And if I can do it, that's why my book is called Beyond Average because I've always been average. I was never good at anything. And now I'm all over the world doing this and that and doing these things. And people go, you're a stud. And I just laugh. I laugh because if they knew the real story, I've never been a stud. But I've, I've I've perfected a gift that the Lord gave me. And now I'm using that gift to talk to people like you. Why? Because people talk to me like this when I was 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 30, 35. Hey, Robert, get it together. I am. No, you're not. You're lazy. No, you're not. You're full of excuses. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And they'd call me out. And thank God they did. And I'm calling you out in a sweet way as a grandfather saying, there's more. There's just more for you. You just have to be open to change. And it's going to cost you the cross. (laughs) You got to go to the cross. I didn't really want to go to the cross, neither do you. But you have to do it. You got to go die. (laughs) You you got (laughs) to die. But he'll resurrect you. All right, so I'll see you guys sometime. Oh man. thanks, brother. I really appreciate it. Dan <laughs> good to connect with you, Troy and Brett and all the guys. See ya.
1: Thanks everybody. We appreciate it and uh, we'll we'll see you around and, and sometime for
0: sure. send them to the website and if they want to contact me, they can contact me through there.
1: Yeah, we'll put uh, Robert's website down in the in the show notes. so if you're if you're watching this or listening to this, we've got all all of his uh, resources there. And, and reach out and you will definitely not be disappointed when you do.
0: <laughs> hey, Good to see you guys.
1: Thanks. Bye,
0: Dan. Bye.
1: Thanks for joining us today on the Anthem of the Adventurer. Make sure that you subscribe to our email list to get all of our updates on theanthemoftheadventurer.com. Like us and follow us on Instagram and Pinterest to get all of the visual updates and keep an eye out for the updated blog and website coming out in May. If you're looking for some more resources to keep your adventures going, check out our tribe on Facebook, the Anthem of the Adventurer Tribe, or our friends over at the Adventure Challenge. You can use the code DAN10 at checkout to get 10% off your order for a really amazing
2: book full of challenges for you and your family. Go out and live your adventure.